Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Today we're in week four. We're in our final week of Summer in the Psalms. Is anybody excited to be in the house of God today? All right, Psalm 138. Psalm 138. Let's read it together. We're going to start in verse one. We're going to read down to verse eight. I'm going to need you to talk to me a little bit today. You already know the quieter you are, the longer I preach. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better talk to him. All right, here we go. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name. For your unfailing love and your faithfulness, for you've so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. I love verse three. When I called, you answered. Amen. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. May all the kings of the earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you have decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Anybody thankful for that? You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I'm gonna say it again until y'all are awake. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I'm gonna say it one more time. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. How many of you believe that? Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work, somebody say work, of your hands. One more verse, Ephesians 2.10. He says, don't forsake the work of your hands, for we, somebody say we, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do not forsake the work of your hands, for we are the workmanship. Turn to your neighbor and announce my sermon title. Tell him I was made for this. Come on, say it with your chest. Say, I was made for this. Come on, look at the neighbor you don't like and say, I was made for this. Type it in the chat. Say, I was made for this. I was made for this. All right, let's pray and we'll dive in. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the children as they got to worship with us at the same same time today in one room, in your presence. Father, would you give us the faith like a child? to believe that anything is possible with you. That if you spoke it, we will see it come to pass. God, I pray for those who haven't been in church in a long time. Maybe walked in, thought that they were gonna get struck by lightning, but they're still here and they're welcome because we're all welcome in your presence. So today, God, don't just change our behavior, transform us from the inside out so we can love you, we can please you. God, reveal to us our purpose in this life. Fulfill your purpose for us. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody set? Come on, everybody set? All right, touch five people. Tell them I was made for this. I was made for this. I was made for this. Second, Samuel 7 is the context from which David is writing this psalm. If you've been traveling with us for a little bit through this series, you'll know that David has now made it to become king. And so he writes this Psalm in Psalm 138 
from the palace. And in 2 Samuel 7, verse 8, God says, I took you from the pasture, tending flock, and appointed you ruler over Israel. And so back when David was a young boy, God came and anointed him through the prophet Samuel and said, David, you are gonna become the next king of Israel. But how many of you know that there takes, it takes time from the pasture in order for David to get to the palace? It always takes time, doesn't it? Like just because God promises you something in one moment doesn't mean you get it in the next moment. You have to go through a process. Somebody say process. There is a process to purpose. And so as you know, David is anointed to become king as a young boy, but then David doesn't go straight to the palace. No, his father sends him back out into the pasture. So David knows what God promised him, but he's looking at some sheep. Anybody ever feel like you're just looking at some sheep? Some dumb sheep, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's out there and he's, he's looking at his sheep. He's taking care of his sheep. And his father says, I want you to bring your brothers who are in battle right now um, against the Philistine army. I want you to bring them some bread and cheese. And so David goes up to the battle lines, carrying some bread and cheese to his older brother. And, and he sees that they're not fighting. They've been at a standstill. They're terrified of the great giant named Goliath from Gath. And so David gets there and essentially, long story short, he's like, I'll fight them. I was made for this. I took a lion out. I took a bear out. Give me my stone. I was made for this moment. And so David takes down Goliath and the Israelite army. They defeat the Philistine army, but that wasn't the end of the story. After that moment, David didn't go straight to the palace. No, in fact, David goes on the run because Saul, who was currently king, wasn't too happy about David, who had now been anointed to take his place. And so Saul is after David, threw a spear at his head. And so David is on the run and he finds himself running into enemy territory, but he can't stay there because that's where Goliath was from. He ran to Gath, and so he couldn't stay in enemy territory, so what does he do? He runs into a cave called Adullah, and it's in this cave we read about David's honest prayer before God. How many of you know if you don't start where you really are, you'll never get to where God's calling you to be? That you gotta just get honest before God, and so David's tone changed a little bit. He went from this young teenage boy essentially saying, I was made for this with confidence to hiding in a cave, questioning, God, where's everybody that's supposed to have my back? What's the point? I was made for this? I thought you promised me to become king. But here I am as the next king of Israel and you're telling me that I was made for this. I was made to hide in a cave, God, what is the purpose in this moment? That's David. And I just wonder if you ever asked that question too. What's the purpose? Anybody ever asked that before? What's the purpose? What's, what's the point of what I'm going through? For some of you, you find yourself in that cave season right now where you feel stuck and scripture calls that a stronghold. David finds himself, he's stuck in a stronghold. The next king of Israel is stuck and he doesn't feel like he can move forward anywhere. But the prophet comes and says, David, do not say stuck in the stronghold. Get to Judah. Touch your neighbor, say, get to Judah. Get to Judah. Judah means praise. He says, you can't just stay here. You can't live here, but you gotta give God, you gotta give God praise. And some of you right now, you're in a season where you're questioning, what's the purpose of, of this? 
you've worked the same job and been passed up promotion after promotion after promotion, and you're asking, what's the point? You're in a marriage, and it doesn't seem to get better, and it's what's, what's the purpose of this? Someone you love gets sick, and it doesn't make any sense, and you're like, what is, what's the point of all this pain that I got to go through? Anybody been there? You're just like, yo, what? Why? And here's what you find out with the life of David. The pathway from the pasture to the palace is paved with pain. Can I tell you, your purpose will be paved with pain. How many of you just love pain? Raise your hand. <laughs> How many of you hate pain? Lift your hand up. Okay, most of you would go, I hate pain. You hate the idea of pain. You will avoid pain. But I wanna push back for a second because I actually don't think that you hate pain. What I think you actually hate is pain without a purpose. What you hate is when somebody you love gets in a car wreck and now they're paralyzed or they're hurting or they're injured or they're sick and you're going, I don't get the purpose. That's the pain you hate. It's the pain when you get an, a, a medical report back and you don't get it. It's, it's the pain of losing a job. It's the pain of losing someone you love. It's the pain of losing a spouse and you're going, God, what is the point? That's the pain you hate. It's pain without a purpose. Because see, people can endure a lot of pain if they know the purpose, can't they? I mean, you, 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 will, put your, you will pay somebody to put your body through pain. Some of you will pay hundreds of dollars to run a marathon and kill your knees. You are not my people. But you'll pay money just because you want to get at the end and be like, I did it. I ran 26 miles. Well, congratulations. Good for you. You will pay to put your body under pain because it's the satisfaction. It's the accomplishment. It's the reward. So as long as pain has a purpose, you actually don't they actually don't hate it. Some of you, like me, you will go and you will let somebody take a needle and put it in the most tender part of your arm and pay to get something tattooed on your body because that pain has a purpose. At least I hope it does. <laughs> Even a spring break in PCB, it has a purpose. But you'll put your body through pain as long as there's a purpose. Two weeks ago, I talked about how Jessica and I, really Jessica, uh, when we were trying to get pregnant for that first year, had a miscarriage after trying and time and time again. And she and I both found ourselves going, man, what's the point? And not only was there just this tremendous amount of emotional pain that came with that and knowing what to do and what not to do as a husband and knowing what to believe and think as, as my wife going, God, what's the purpose of this? What's interesting to me is even after all that emotional pain and physical pain, the follow-up process of getting the baby that passed out of her. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that just four months later, she wanted to try to get pregnant again. And so we got pregnant and then we got pregnant again. Why? Because there was a, there was a purpose in the pain and those purposes are two little blessings. Two little crazy boys. Why? Because you will go through pain as long as the pain has a purpose. Touch your neighbor and say purpose. It's got to have a purpose. What is purpose? We talk about that word a lot. Real simple, easy definition. Purpose simply means original intent. 
Purpose means original intent. What that means is that there is a designer of all things, and that designer gets to determine the purpose of that design. And here's what I found out, that if you don't know the purpose of something, you will always misuse it or abuse it. Eventually, if you don't understand the purpose, if you don't understand your purpose, if you don't understand the purpose and why you're going through what you're going through, if the design doesn't understand the purpose of the designer, you will always misuse or abuse the thing and will hurt those around you or hurt yourself. So a couple weeks ago, it was my boy's, um, it was my boy's birthday. Both of them, we got two boys. One, I was holding one a second ago, born on the same day, two years apart. They call that Irish twins. We're not even Irish. I don't know why they call it that, but whatever. And, um, and so they... Uh, Somebody's like, I'm gonna tell you why they call it that after service, that's fine. Um, but so one of the things we did was like, we're gonna just get Jet, our youngest one, something in addition because everything he has is hand-me-downs. I got any hand-me-down kids in the room, all right? And so he never gets anything new. So we're, like, we're just gonna get him something new. And so Jessica buys him this like little tykes car. And how many of you know, as a dad, I love seeing my kids play with toys. I wish they came pre-assembled, that would be awesome. So this little tight car comes together and I'm trying to like sneak off to the side of the house and I get all my tools, I get my screwdriver here and I start putting together. And how many men, man, you know this is like when they put plastic screws in the box and you're, you're just so dumb. It's like, why don't you use a real screw? Anyway, so I'm screwing this thing together and they come around and they're just like all over it. And I'm like, boys, it's not ready yet. We'll finish in a minute. And so I finally finished the car. I tightened the last screw and I, I push it into the living room and Jet just goes crazy. I mean, he will live in this car. Like every night when he goes to bed, he has to drive his car into his room and park it by his bed. Like no joke, loves this car. Well, he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna share it with Tatum because he's had to share everything with Tatum. And so he wouldn't share the car with Tatum. So Tatum finally gave up after maybe a couple times with us yelling at him, telling him not to yell at his brother, but different parenting technique. And uh, so he goes back to his room, he's mad. Well, then all of a sudden I hear something. And say, if you don't know my son, which most of you may not, some of you do, he loves worship music. He may not showed it today because it was freaked out, but the kid loves worship music. I'm telling you, like when he wakes up, he wants worship music. When he goes to bed, he wants worship music. If he's in a bad mood, don't want some worship music. And his favorite song right now is Might Get Loud. We sang it, loves that song. And what's interesting about it is he can sing Might Get Loud some better than some of you, all right? Like he knows the lyrics, the words, the rhythm. He knows when to stop. He, he knows the song. And so I'm, I'm in there playing with Jet and I hear Tatum in his, in his room real faintly, it might get loud. I'm like, All right, I'm gonna try to go catch this moment. So I walk around the corner and I'm looking at him and here he is on his bed like this. It might get loud. And I look and this is his microphone. I was like, oh, uh, hey buddy, that's not a microphone. Yes, it is, Daddy. This is my mic. I said, no, it's not a microphone. I'm going to need you to give me that screwdriver before you get hurt, because if you get hurt with that screwdriver, your mama is going to hurt me with that screwdriver. So give me the screwdriver, you know, and he's mad. I'm like, this is not a microphone. This is a microphone. So I'll give you the microphone. You give me the screwdriver. He's like, nope, this is my microphone. I was like, give me the screwdriver, right? Like, so then he just wouldn't give it. So I did what any dad did. I was like, hey, keep jumping. I don't care. You know, I was kidding. And so here he is and he's jumping. Um, he's jumping up and down with the screwdriver. I finally take it from him and he's angry because he believes in that moment, he knows better, 
but he wants to pretend like the purpose of this screwdriver is to project his voice and sing might get loud when really he's about to might get hurt. And see, for some of us, my, my fear is that many of you don't know the purpose of your life, and so you're using things that God gave you that will help you, and they're actually gonna harm you. Like, for many of us, we'll use the tools that God gives us that were meant to help fasten our lives together, and because we don't understand the purpose of them, we try to define the purpose of them. So we'll use sex, which is meant to help keep intimacy within your marriage. We'll use it for our own benefit. Come on, am I talking to anybody? And, we, and we'll use it to, to get what we want and how we feel and in the moment. And what you're doing is you're taking the gift, not understanding the purpose of the gift, and it will destroy your life if you don't use it the right way. See, for many of us, what we want, here's what culture teaches. You define your purpose. Ah, uh, I don't care who you are. This ain't a microphone. You're not an animal. You don't get to pick your purpose. You don't get to pick your design. I don't care what culture says because the design has a designer. And if you don't understand the purpose of something, you don't go to the thing, you go to the one who made it. God determines your design. God is the one who determines your purpose. Somebody say purpose. He, he's the one that understands your purpose. But if you don't understand your purpose, you'll live a life pursuing all kinds of things that essentially were probably good, but will end up hurting you because you don't get why they exist. So for so many of us, we live this endless pursuit trying to figure out why we're here. And we'll go to things and we'll go to people, we'll go to stuff to tell us our purpose. But those things don't give us purpose. One of my favorite quotes is by Mark Twain where he says, the greatest two days in someone's life is the day they were born and the day they find out why. I'm gonna up that a little bit. I believe that the two greatest days in your life are the day you were born again and the day you found out why you were born again. And here's why. Because the most tragic thing in life is not death. The greatest tragedy is a life that's lived without purpose. And so what is our purpose? I, I wanna talk to you about that word a little bit and I wanna give you just a framework when we say purpose, that you understand why you were made. Because we have a culture that's trying to teach you that you get to determine why you were made. And I'm sorry to burst your bubble, unpopular opinion, you don't. And here's why. Because purpose is given by God, not by people. And if you live for the approval of people, you will miss out on the purpose of God. Ooh, I'm gonna say that again. If you live for the approval of people, you will miss out on the purpose of God. You were designed on purpose for a purpose. It says, I took you from the pasture to the palace. He says in Psalm 138, he says, God will fulfill his purpose for me. Ephesians 2.10, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works that God prepared for you in advance to do. You were created by God for God. That's why you and I actually exist. And so knowing your purpose doesn't always mean 
that you'll ever achieve perfection. In fact, you won't achieve, achieve perfection. But when you know, know, know your purpose, you actually know the target in which you're supposed to aim your life. That's, that's literally the idea of sin is when you miss the mark. That's the definition of sin, missing the mark. What does that mean? It means you're missing the purpose in which you were created for. And so anytime you start living for a purpose that God did not give you, you sin. And so David, I love him because he's referenced as a man after God's own heart, isn't he? And we love David because we see this passionate, amazing man that knew his purpose. He knew that he didn't get the promotion on his own. He didn't deserve that. He knew that God found him out in the pasture taking care of sheep. And he says, it's you, I'm making you to the next king. He knew his purpose was given by God, but that doesn't mean David was perfect. In fact, right after this moment, David makes one of the greatest mistakes in his life. He knew his purpose, but in that moment, he chose to take his own way in his own path instead of the path and purpose God had given him. He's king and his purpose was to lead the people of Israel. And there was a time where kings were supposed to go to war, scripture says, and instead of doing what God purposed for him to do and go to war, what did David do? Instead of going to war, he stayed in bed. And when you don't fight the battles that God called you to fight, you will get hit with the enemy with battles you didn't see coming. So David stays in bed. Well, the problem with David staying in bed is everybody's gone. All the men are gone. And so what does he do? He takes a stroll on his roof, this picture of, I made it. Somebody say, I made it. You thought that too? Like, oh, I got it. Living in the promise of God. I made, I'm here. I was made for this. See, David's walking on the roof and all of a sudden he looks over and he sees a woman bathing naked on the top of a house. Her name was Bathsheba, which is so funny to me still. It's like a kid's joke or something. Bathsheba, all right, great. So he sees her. What does he do? What did I tell you will happen? If you don't understand the purpose, you will misuse or abuse your power. What does he do? He abuses his power. He calls the woman over, manipulates her to sleep with him. And then she gets pregnant. He finds out that she's pregnant. So in order to cover it up, he brings home her husband, gives him an order to take a letter to the front of the battle line and her husband is killed. But yet... David was a man after God's own heart. In fact, Luke would write this about David in Acts 13, 36. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation. So wait a second. David did that, but fulfilled God's purpose? Yep. So you better be careful judging David or judging somebody else on one failure because one failure doesn't determine your future. Come on, anybody thankful for that truth? Come on, you should give God praise right now in that spot. That's not what determines your future. God determines your destiny because he's the one that designed you and created you. And scripture says, God will fulfill his purpose for me. So David is a man after God's own heart. Though he made a lot of mistakes, though he failed, he knew his purpose was given by God. And here's the second thing you have to understand. And he learned was that your purpose isn't about you. Come on, turn to your neighbor, say your purpose ain't about you. Turn, say it to him again, say it ain't about you. Tell your spouse what you've been wanting to say all week, say it ain't about you. It ain't about you. Some of you are gonna go home and tell your kids when they want something from you, it ain't about you. Your purpose ain't about you. And if you miss that, you'll miss it all. 
You are designed by God for God. God determines your purpose. And God says, you were created for me. And that seems kind of selfish of God. So wait, you just tell me I exist for you? Yep, because he's the only one worth existing for. You have a divine design. You were created on purpose for a purpose and that purpose is for God. And we live in this culture where everybody says, live your dream, live your truth, do what you want. And essentially what they're wanting you to do is what David did in the wrong time of his life. They want you to take your earned place on the throne and everything serves you. And so rather than serving God's purpose for you, here's what ends up happening. You would never say this, but this is essentially what happens. When you sit on your own throne in your own heart and you make life all about you, your job all about you, money all about you, your kids all about you, your friends all about you, what you will do is you may know God, you may love God, but you will make God serve you rather than you serving God. So God becomes your servant and Jesus becomes your side chick. Uh-oh. I'm coming for somebody today. What I mean by that is you think that God exists to serve you and what you want in life. And every time your butt gets in trouble, you make a booty call to Jesus to get you out of it. You're going, hey, I just, I need what I need from you. And so God's your servant. Jesus is your side chick. You don't even understand the Holy Spirit. So you're just like, just give me goosebumps and I know it's you. But see, the Holy Spirit isn't goosebumps. And that's how the enemy will take your moment with God and turn it into this feeling experience. And so now you'll chase a feeling rather than chasing the presence of God. And so here we are and we, and we, we put ourselves in the center. And the reason that's a problem is because that's exactly what Satan did. He was designed by God for God. But what'd he do? He wanted to be worshiped. Can I just tell you? You were not created to be worshiped. You were created to worship. So here's the third thing you need to write down. Your purpose is praise. Somebody say praise. praise. Your purpose is praise. Say praise. praise. Now listen, I can't do what Pastor Chad did last week and get some drums out. Despite how much I would love to do that, I'm not going to say stick to the plan. I can't do that. <laughs> but what I can do is I can know my purpose and I can take this microphone and I can project my voice where it comes through these speakers into your ears, hopefully gets down in your heart so it transforms your life. That's what I was made for. I was made for this. And I don't say that as cocky. I say this because I know why I was made and that was to give God praise with every breath, with every word, with every moment, with everything in my life. I give God praise and here's the secret how I know that because I know it don't belong to me. That's the secret. The idea of praise is to exalt. The idea of praise is to glorify. You've heard that term, glorify God. That's praise. Praise, glorify, magnify, make much of. You wanna know why you were made? You were made to praise God. And see, we, we've done this thing where we've made worship a genre and we think praise and we think worship and we go, we go automatically to singing. It's all about singing. Well, maybe, but how many of you know you can sing worship songs but not worship God? Churches are filled with thousands and millions of people 
singing songs out loud, but not following God in their heart. And so as a follower of Jesus, we don't just sing praises with our lips. We sing praise with our lifestyle. We, we walk the way Jesus walked. See, we were made for that. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. And that purpose is to praise God with your life. Worship's not just singing. That's why Romans 12, one and two says, therefore I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Your worship is your lifestyle. Your praise is the way you act when you leave here. Your worship is the way you treat your kids when they're on your last nerves. Your praise comes in pain. When you're pressed, what comes out of you reveals what's within you. And God says, I know that you gotta go through pain to get to purpose, but there's a purpose in your pain. I'm refining you and I'm helping you see that you were made for this. So Psalm 150, David closes out the entire book of Psalms with Psalm 150 and he says this, he's like, I really believe that this is organized in such a way where it's the very last thing we read. And he says to praise the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him, why? For his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I think we should take about three seconds and give God a shout of praise up in this house. Somebody praise the Lord for his goodness. So the question today is not, the question for your life is not, will God do my purpose? The question isn't like, is God's purpose good enough for me? Mm-mm. The question is, is can God trust his purpose with you? And so many of us get it backwards and we make it all about ourselves. God, can I trust you with my purpose? Missed it. It's not, can I trust you with my purpose? God's going, can I trust you with mine? Can I trust you to do what I created you to do? Or will you make it all about you? You were created to praise. And so when we understand our purpose, there's real power in the way that we live and the way that we walk and the way we make decisions. Write this down because purpose diminishes distractions. When I know the why behind something's being made, I can use it for its intended purpose. And so for so many of us, the enemy's greatest tactic is distraction because we're walking around looking to find purpose outside of the person who created you. And when you start wondering and you start thinking purpose is out there rather than purpose came from up here and placed in here, he distracts you. But when you understand your purpose, it diminishes the distractions. I think about Nehemiah. 
when the wall had been torn down and he goes up and he begins building the wall as God called him to do. That was his purpose in that season to be a bricklayer, to build up the house of God, to build back the wall. And Nehemiah is sitting up on this wall and the enemy, there's two of them, they come up and you know what they do? They tell Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what you doing? Come down off that wall. We got something we wanna talk about. And you know what Nehemiah's response was? He said, I will not come down because I am doing a great work. The enemy wants to distract you from the great work you're doing. You're doing a great work. I believe that about people. You're doing a great work. Right now you're building. It may not look good. It may not look sexy. You may have to drive an old car for a season because you are doing a good work and trying to pay off debt and people will wanna distract you and the enemy wanna use and the car that you want will start showing up all around you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But you need this, I, I got a purpose. And in this season, my purpose is to continue to pay off debt, live below my means so that one day I can live like nobody else. You got a purpose. For some of you right now, let me talk to the moms in here for a second. Let me talk to both moms and dads. For some of you, your purpose right now is to be stay at home with your kids. And society will look down on you and think that you should be, you should be working all the time because that's not a real job. <sighs> I would dare say that it's the most difficult job to raise your kids in our society. You're doing a great work. Don't you come down. Don't give in to the enemy's tactics. You can make money later. You can pursue your career later. But right now, for some of you, God has called you to be at home with your kids, discipling your kids, teaching your kids, loving your kids, because one day they'll be 18 and they're gonna be out your house. You're doing a great work. For some of you, it's your marriage. And the fact is right now, the great work you need to do is to stay in it. Day after day, moment after moment, year after year, when the butterflies go away, when they call you baby and you don't get goosebumps anymore. No, you go, I'm doing a great work. And what God put together, nobody's gonna separate. I'm gonna keep being faithful. I'm gonna keep doing what God has called me to do, amen? So purpose diminishes distractions and then purpose actually helps us push through pain. When you know the purpose, you can push through it. And so for some of us, we try to avoid pain and when we think we experience pain, we think that must be the enemy. No, 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 listen. If I'm living for Jesus, if I'm living on purpose, if I don't experience any pushback from the enemy, that's when I get worried. Because in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because Jesus overcame the world. And so when I'm not experiencing some pushback, I'm not experiencing some pain, I must be walking in step with the enemy. And some of you thought that right now the pain you're going through is God punishing you and God removing his spirit from you when really it might just be that you got an X on your back because the enemy is so threatened by you that if you would actually live out your purpose, he's gonna be in trouble. So it pushes you through pain. When I go through things, I'm able to identify with Jesus. Do not think that you are exempt from pain. David went through pain. Moses went through pain, Mary went through pain, the disciples went through pain, Jesus went through pain, and in his most painful moment, he says, God, what's the purpose? Why have you forsaken me? But 
not my will, but your will be done. Not my purpose, but your purpose. And so you had a God who saw it fit to actually go to the cross, press through the pain because he had a purpose. And that was to draw all people to himself so that you can live for why you were created. And that's to give God praise. Come on, somebody. Here's, I can be confident in my purpose, knowing that he who began a good work in me will carry it out to the day of completion that the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your, your purpose, it, it makes it possible for you and I to please God. We can please God. If, you, if you're living for anything other than God, you can't please Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why is that? Because without God, even though you do good works, your righteous works are like filthy rags. What does that mean? That means without the Spirit of God, without understanding you were created by God and for God, your righteous works are just an extension of your selfishness so people can look at you and praise you instead of Him. No, no, no. You wanna please God? You gotta live for God. You do not experience the promise of God without walking in the path of God. How do we please God? We we obey him because he died on the cross for me. And so with every breath, I'm gonna give him praise because he's worthy of it. And if he never does another thing, he's already done enough. So no matter what I go through, no matter what pain I experience, no matter what somebody says, no matter what they call me, no matter if they put me in prison, no matter if they wound me, they stab me, at the end of my life, it's gonna come down to me going, I know why I was made, I was made for this, and I'm gonna give God praise with my life. Come on, y'all stand up to your feet. We're gonna close. He says, I took you from the pasture where you were tending sheep to the palace. And then 2 Samuel 7 says this, I've been with you wherever you have gone. I've cut off all your enemies. I cut them all off. I love it. Then he says this, now I will make your name great, David, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since I appointed leaders over my people. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. This is the part I want you to get. This is the purpose of David. You ready? Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm excited about this. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you're dead, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Somebody say his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Somebody say forever. So God fulfilled his purpose in David through Jesus because David was the king that failed, but Jesus is the king that will never fail. David was the one who established the kingship, but Jesus is the one who fulfilled it. His purpose was to praise God and to point people to Jesus. Can I tell you, that's what you were made for, to praise God and to point people to Jesus. That's it. That's it. In every moment, every, every season, no matter where you're at, at your job, when you leave here and you go to work tomorrow, your role, your purpose at your job is to praise God, thank God, glorify God, magnify God, and to point people to Him. That's your purpose. Amen? So let's praise God. Let's worship God. Because we were made for this. We were made for this. Somebody say, we were made for this. Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would do a mighty work in them. 
You help them see that they were made to worship, they were made to praise, and they were made to point people to you. That we would not get distracted by the enemy, but that you would continue to do a good work in our hearts, do a good work through our lives. And God, would you fulfill your purpose for me? Would you be faithful to finish what you started? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, let everything have breath. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.